Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Loyer, your host. As a priest and pastor, Many people have been turning to me for some answers, some guidance in lieu of all that is happening in our nation and also therefore in the world. It seems like the world is all contending with the same demons. I don't know if that's because of social media or if it's in the plan of God and the prophecies or whatever, but we seem to be contending with the same things, which is creating a lot of confusion in people's hearts, a lot of anxiety a lot even of division, a lot of doubt, even despair, hopelessness, but there is, of course, also good. So they asked me, what do we do? How do we negotiate through what is happening in our world, in our nation? And I would say this, that through it all, remember, no matter who is our boss, who is our president, what our government is made up of, who the Pope is, who the cardinals are, who our pastor is, who our bishop is, regardless of all of that, And yes, they all need to be doing what is right according to God's design. But regardless of all of them and all of that, there still remains the fundamental battle between the cosmic forces of evil, which are manifested in different ideologies that take hold of people's minds and hearts, especially our young people, because young people are open to ideas and idealism, but not exclusively young people, but largely young people. The battle between that and God's order of creation, which I will call reality. That battle rages on now, perhaps more than any other time in history, in ways that might be unprecedented. And so we put our faith not in any human person, any human institution. We put our faith in God, that we may not always understand God's plan. Sometimes we do, sometimes we understand it later on. But at the time, we seldom understand what God is really up to. But he still is the God of all. And sometimes he allows things that are very disappointing or even tragic, even evil. He allows it to be. He doesn't want it to be, but he allows it to be. He allows lots of things to be, but it's all part of some ultimate good that he is doing. Sometimes we see that, sometimes we do not. But nonetheless, just because we don't see it now or later doesn't mean God 
isn't bringing good out of it. So our call now is to authenticity. That's right. To become truly Christians, more authentic Catholics, East and West. Let's face it, for so long in the modern Western world, we got away with a rather, as they sometimes say, cafeteria-type Catholic. We got away with Catholicism and Christianity without the cross. So much in the church was aimed at keeping everybody happy, everybody feeling good, so that you wouldn't leave the church. And in that quest, look what happened. We ended up achieving the very thing we try to prevent, people losing faith in the church, people losing their understanding of what the church really says, what it's really about, the loss of vocations and so on. I think that perhaps God maybe had enough, and God is always looking out for our good. So I think through all of this, through all the uncertainty, disappointments, tragedies, divisions, the coronavirus, whatever, God is trying to, I think, make us stronger, make us more vigilant. In the Byzantine liturgy, during the holiest part of the liturgy, the priest prays to God that the reception of the body and blood of Christ will give us a spirit of vigilance. That's very important. In other words, standing on our toes. We need the Eucharist enlivened. Enlivened by the Eucharist, we pray that we have the ability to be on our toes, to be able to be more prepared to face the enemy, to fight this cosmic battle. And I think God has revealed to us, I think he's shown a great light on the whole world. What God has revealed to us is where everybody, everything is at. The evil can no longer be circumspect. It can't hide in the shadows as much anymore. It's out front. It sees victory in its grasp. The devil has his hands, his clutches around our necks. It's ready to squeeze. But also, things are being revealed about ourselves, about where we personally need to strengthen ourselves, to trust in God more, to do more asceticism. In other words, dying to self, praying, fasting, less indulgence, less about me, and to take up that cross. In other words, to be willing to sacrifice, to martyr ourselves, to be martyred in whatever way, whether white martyrdom or blood martyrdom, to say no to ourselves in every moment. See, our sacrificing is not just giving up our lives like we read about the martyrs, but it's also about saying no to ourselves in every moment so that we can say yes to our better selves, yes to what will make us a better version of ourselves. That's the martyrdom that we're called to. We may be called to other forms of martyrdom too, but by virtue of baptism, and that's why in the Byzantine church, the Eastern churches, we totally immerse the person who's being baptized, immerse them entirely. People sometimes get concerned, oh my goodness, that baby's being put into the water. Is it going to drown? Well, yeah, it is going to drown. But in a spiritual sense, we wash away the old person and rise to the new person by a total immersion in the baptismal waters. So there's a dying, an actual action of dying but rising up. And that action must be repeated, ratified continuously throughout our lives as a Christian, dying to ourselves, striving for that humility that we read about in the lives of the saints, that heroic humility, which today would seem to be foolish by our standards, that dying to self, that humility, that asceticism, that rising to our real selves, making a gift of ourselves to others, becoming people of prayer, deferential to God and his order of creation, this is what an authentic Christian is, and we've lost so much of it. I think maybe God is calling us back, but he has, to, he has to strengthen us. He has to prepare us like a drill sergeant preparing soldiers in boot camp. They may not understand. It might even seem kind of cruel, but he's preparing them for the ultimate battle so their lives will be saved and they can save others' lives. I just wonder if God isn't doing that. I don't presume to know the mind of God, but... It's the way that I personally reconcile what is happening, and I offer that to you 
if it would be helpful to you. It's looking at things as we do in the Eastern churches in particular, through that mystical lens. In other words, always asking the why behind something. What is its ultimate meaning? How does its existence share in the existence of eternal life? We take nothing face value. Everything in some way makes the invisible God, the invisible realities of heaven, of the kingdom of God, everything on this earth makes that visible and present. And that's what we look for. We look for where is God in this? What is he trying to do? Whether it's a great disappointment, a tragedy, or whether it's something very joyful and triumphant. But we try to see what is God doing and then to respond to that vision, to become the better versions of ourselves. And I think God is really revealing to all of us individually. I know I hear it in confessions. I hear it in spiritual direction. I hear it when people come to me for advice or just venting. They're becoming more aware of their weaknesses in dealing with things that seem to be beyond them. Friends that seem to have betrayed them. Family members where there is strife now where there wasn't before. Disappointment and sense of betrayal in the church and church leaders and the government. And people are seeing where their weaknesses are in responding to that. They've got to shore those things up. And I think this is what God is revealing to us. And I think that we have to put on those sacramental liturgical glasses, so much a part of Eastern theology and spirituality, and try to see what God is trying to do and to remain hopeful. It's hard. It's hard for me too. But this is how I reconcile it. This is how I am personally trying to negotiate through all of this. And this is what I offer to you. And again, I draw upon the wisdom of something much greater and certainly older than me, and that is the venerable tradition, the spirituality of the church, the fathers of the church, the scriptures, of course, the art, the architecture, the iconography, the liturgy. What does all this tell us? What is that vision? It's a vision of the union of heaven and earth and how heaven has infused itself and affected earth but how the forces of evil try to deny that fusion, that incarnation. And so always, as the great spiritual masters of the Eastern churches tell us, the great desert fathers, they say that spirituality, it's not about something nice. Spirituality always seems so nice and spiritual. (laughs) But our great spiritual masters tell us that spirituality is plain and simple warfare. That's right, warfare within ourselves between the great cosmic forces of evil and the forces and the presence of good, of God's order of creation. So we reach into the wisdom of the church, look at what is said in the liturgy, the iconography, the liturgical texts, the dogmatic hymns, draw from that, draw from that wisdom and be open, be vigilant, as the liturgy tells us, to what it is God may be revealing, doing, and asking of us. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion, and to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. And then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright.
Father Loya invites you to see the new Tabor Life website. That's taborlife.org. When you land on the homepage, you can see how Tabor Life can help improve your marriage, your life, and how to see the beauty of God's created order in your personal life. On taborlife.org, you can book Father Loya to speak to your organization about the key elements of leadership, relationships, and sexuality, as well as speak on cultural, social, and political issues. As a renowned artist, Father Loya can speak about how art, liturgy, and prayer fit together. On taborlife.org, you can see the many ways of how you can communicate with us. And as you look to the lower right-hand corner of the page, Click on the messenger icon for live chat. And finally, Taper Life Institute is a 5013C charitable organization that earnestly needs your support. Click on the support link at the top of the page and donate. After all, Taper Life is powered by you. I'm Joe Murphy from Holy Family Radio, WHYF AM 720, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And you're listening to Light of the East. You are listening to the choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the sacred liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. Order online at byzantinecatholic.com. All we ask is a donation of $15 or more, which includes shipping and handling, to Annunciation Parish for each Theosis CD. Send a check made out to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. And may God grant you... Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loyal, your host. Today we're trying to offer to you some of what I personally am using, points of spirituality. The negotiate through times that seem to be very disappointing, very divisive, very difficult, very frightening, perhaps hopeless, maybe even despairing. But I'm drawing from that which is greater than me. I'm going to the deep, rich reservoir of the liturgy, the art, the architecture, the faith, the Bible, the fathers. That's where we go. Those are the perennial time-honored sources that we go to. And one of the things I mentioned is that we're being called to a greater asceticism, a dying to self. And the church gives us ways to practice that, venues, formats. And one of those is a format that we have entered into of asceticism. That is the season of Advent. In the Eastern churches, we call it the season of the Philip's Fast. It's called Philip's Fast only because it happens to begin on the feast day of St. Philip, which is November 15th. So somehow it got that name, the Philip's Fast. It's like Lent. It's 40 days before Pascha, and it is a penitential time, which means it involves this asceticism I'm talking about. Again, asceticism meaning practice certain rigors, certain practices of 
self-denial, not just for their own sake, but to purify ourselves, to make room for what is more essential, make room for God, get the clutter out of our life, break the tyranny of the fallen passions, and rise to a purity of heart and action. So during these 40 days, we fast. And the fast, the traditional fast, is no meat or dairy products on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, but a lesser fast in between, on the days in between, like Tuesdays and Thursdays. Now, the strict adherence of that is optional, but highly recommended. Most of the bishops in the various Eastern eparchies, what we call our diocese, we call them eparchies, most of the bishops have their own basic outline for the fasting during this season prior to Christmas. But the traditional fast, and the one that I like to promote to you, is no meat or dairy products on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. But also, with fasting must come prayer, increased prayer, church attendance, especially during certain feast days that we have. For instance, we have one coming up, November 21st, as a feast of the entrance of the Mother of God into the temple, sometimes known as the presentation of the Mother of God in the temple. This feast day is very ancient in the Eastern churches. It goes back to about the 6th century, and it features the Virgin Mary, according to tradition, being brought to the temple by her parents, Joachim and Anne, and she's brought there as a three-year-old child, and she's going to live there. She's going to be raised in the temple, because she herself, as the liturgical verses say, will become the living temple of God. And they say she was fed by angels. In the liturgical texts, which are always so insightful, there are references to the Virgin Mary in the Old Testament. You see, the Old Testament is something we see in the Byzantine church as a foreshadowing of the New Testament. In other words, types of the archetypes. This is certainly true for Jesus and the Virgin Mary in the Old Testament. In fact, the Old Testament is all about Christ and his mother, really. For example, in the evening prayer, the Vesper service for this feast of the entrance of the Mother of God into the temple, and again, it happens on November 21st, we say this, we say, Today, let the heavens above greatly rejoice, and let the clouds pour down gladness at the mighty and marvelous acts of our God. For behold, the gate that looks towards the east, born from a fruitless, barren womb, according to the promise, and consecrated to God as his dwelling, is now being brought into the temple as a spotless offering. Okay, now that gate that looks towards the east, that's a reference from the book of the prophet Ezekiel, chapter 43 and 44. Now let's look at another reference. This is from the morning prayer service of this feast. It says, You were consecrated to God, O pure virgin, even before your conception. Now, after your birth, you are offered as a gift to him in fulfillment of the promise of your parents. You're a divine temple and are brought to the temple of God. As a young child, you have appeared in the temple, accompanied by the brightly burning lamps. You have shown yourself to be the dwelling of the unapproachable divine light. Truly magnificent is your entrance, O only bride of God and ever virgin. Now, you see, it says here, you were consecrated to God, O pure virgin, even before your conception. Okay, now, there is a reference from the Eastern churches to what later would become in the Roman Catholic Church, declared by a pope, the Immaculate Conception, that the Virgin Mary was conceived without sin. The Western Church, whenever they make pronouncements, they will always go to the Eastern churches, because the East is where everything came from. Not that the East is superior, it's just the, the origins, kind of like going back to the womb to see what did the Eastern churches do, because they did things that were very ancient, because that's where things started. So naturally, their most ancient texts are going to be in the East. So 
the Western Church, when it wants to make certain pronouncements, such as the doctrine of the Immaculate Conception, it looks to the Eastern texts and then formulates, together with the Western theology, its teaching. Now, also, another verse says this, Human nature inherited the misdeed from Eve of old. Now that the Atokos has flowered forth from Eve's stock, she is our restoration and incorruption until she was being brought into the temple of the Lord. Okay, so human nature inherited the misdeed from Eve of all. We often talk about something being inherited from original sin. In the West, there is a certain emphasis on an inheritance of guilt. The East does not emphasize that. It's not denying it. It just isn't emphasizing it. And that's always important to know that East and West arrive at the same point ultimately, but they come at it from different perspectives, different things that they emphasize respectively. So human nature inherited the misdeed from Eve of old. So the Virgin Mary becomes the new Eve. It's as though God had to remake the human race again, only he does it mystically, not so much physically, but mystically. On the cross, Jesus Christ is the new Adam. The Virgin Mary is the new Eve. That's why he says to her, not mother, but woman. It's the same name as Eve. Woman, behold your son, referring to St. John. So it's as if Adam and Eve are again reappearing, only mystically now, in the form of Jesus Christ and his blessed mother. In other words, a man, of course, Jesus was man and God, but a man and a woman, the Virgin Mary, who did it right, who remained faithful to God the Father. This had to be, and it comes to be in the persons of the new Eve, the new Adam, Christ, and his blessed mother. Now, another text says this, Today the temple of God receives the gate through whom no one may pass. It has put an end to the worship prescribed by the shadow of the law, and it cries out, Indeed, the truth has appeared to all upon earth. So you see how we're not bound to the Old Testament, to its, its literal customs and rules and so on. We're bound to its meaning, its message, of course. But the Old Testament comes to perfection in the New Testament. That's why it says it has put an end to the worship prescribed by the shadow of the law. And it cries out, indeed, the truth has appeared to all upon earth. So the fulfillment of the Old Testament, in other words, what the Old Testament hinted at, now becomes fulfilled in the New Testament with the Virgin Mary coming on the scene and giving birth to Christ. As I mentioned before, remember, the Old Testament is all about Christ and the Virgin Mary. That's right. It says that it's all foreshadowed. Again, it says here, the old law has passed away and vanished as a shadow. The rays of grace have shown forth at the entry into the temple of God. O pure Virgin Mother, for you are blessed forever. Now, there's an interesting technique that's also used in Byzantine liturgy, especially on feast days. It's the conversation technique. When Anne escorted the most pure temple into the house of God, she spoke these words in faith to the priest. Take the child given to me by God and lead her into the temple of your creator and sing to him joyfully, all you works of the Lord, bless the Lord. Upon seeing Anne, Zechariah said to her, you now escort here the true mother of life whom the prophets of God proclaimed in times past as a Theotokos. How shall the temple contain her? Therefore in wonder I cry out, all your works of the Lord, bless the Lord. And it goes on, there's a conversation, almost like a drama. And the Eastern churches use this technique in their liturgy. See, we can take verses right from scripture, which is pretty much the way the Western church does it, but we can also take the events of scripture and articulate them, immerse ourselves in them through 
a kind of a poetry, a kind of a drama, makes it more real to us. And that's what Byzantine liturgy does. That's the dogmatic theology that's so much a part of Eastern theology and Eastern liturgy and spirituality. Well, there's so much more to this feast day and how the church articulates it. But it's an example of a holy day that we need to immerse ourselves in, into its message and mystery. And we do that by going to church, first of all. And we also need then to develop that sense of asceticism, that fasting and prayer. And all of that works towards increased charity. This is what our faith is about. And it is time now to really return and to develop an ever more authentic Christian faith. And we have the wisdom of the church, its holy days, its calendar, through fasting and celebration to help us along the way. Thanks for listening. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. To hear Light of the East again, visit byzantinecatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab and on iTunes. Thank you for listening to Light of the East. We encourage you to tell a friend about Light of the East and to visit byzantinecatholic.com. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. gives us an opportunity to become part of a larger family. It can be so lonely when we are struggling in our faith or just trying to live our faith on our own. But Catholic Radio connects us to that larger community of faith where we're able to get the support, the encouragement, and the grace that we need to not just struggle on, but to really celebrate all the blessings that God brings into our life through our Catholic faith. Dr. Greg Popchak thinks Catholic Radio is important. So should you. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Wilcook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Or donate online on the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh!